before. Oh. I'm sure there's a history to that piece of uh, equipment here in our sanctuary. It's just lovely to stand and hear, hear this wonderful stand for holiness and righteousness. And knowing that it's worth it, that it's worth the risk, that it's worth the effort, that no matter how long it takes, it's worth the time. You know, and you, we need to encourage you to be those broken records so that the world changes, so that love is shared by all and that they can hear the good news. And I want to, one of these, if you want to hear what that judge may have been feeling, I've got an example from you from a little clip from the family guy on television. You know what pestering is like? Let's, pestering? Let's listen to this. Listen to this. And imagine that judge getting this every day. Ah, Lewis, 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 Lewis. Mom, 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 mommy, 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 mama, 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 ma, 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 mom, 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 mommy, mommy, mama, mama, mama. What? Hi. And you just know he's going to be back. Maybe not the next day, maybe in five minutes. Just needs to be seen. Just needs to be seen. And that angry response, what? Just runs away. But he's going to be back because he needs to get that again. Sometimes that pestering, that broken record sort of works. And sometimes it's the only way to get things done. It's the only thing to get things done. Because people sometimes have to be helped to do the right thing. You know, and particularly if you're dealing with people who are no respecters of God or people. Did you hear that description of the judge? Don't get confused in this parable. The judge is not God. The judge is someone who doesn't fear God and has no respect for people. Now, you may know some folks like that. They need a little extra pestering in life to help them do the right thing. Because they don't care about folks. And they have no fear of God. Sometimes it's not even an individual. Sometimes it's a whole system that you're working against, that you continue to stand every day for holiness and for righteousness and for justice. And it takes time. It takes time. And we can get, some, uh, some of us can just get tired and we want to sit back down in that lazy boy chair because, man, that's comfortable. You know, my favorite show's on tonight. I don't think I can stand tonight. You know, maybe, maybe next week sometimes. Get tired of standing. But God calls us to, to pray and not lose hope. Because this is a story in the scriptures not about just praying, but about praying so that you can stand. Praying so that you can take action. Praying so that you do not lose hope. Praying so that in your prayer, not only do you change the world, but you help that judge change the world at the same time and that that system gets undone. So praying that kind of prayer, not just for what I might receive, but for how we change the world. That kind of prayer we're talking about. And you got to do it over and over and over again. Got one more clip for you. Show you how annoying this kind of prayer can be to those who don't want to change. Let's listen to... Um, verse, amen. <laughs> next door she's been married seven times before and everyone was in re in re and now willie arthur no sir him eighth old man of in re in re the eighth i am i am in re 
and reject I am. Second verse, same as the first. I and reject I am, and reject I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. All right, all right, all right. Stop singing. I'll go anywhere you want to. Just don't sing anymore. Ah, <sighs> oh, broken record it is, you know. Whoopi's the one that can offer help at that time in that show, and she's just not giving in until she can't sleep anymore, that she's kept up at night, because that music keeps going on and on and on again, having to sing that song over and over and over again until she's exhausted and does the right thing. Boy, God's telling us to be that kind of pestering people, that kind of broken record folks for justice in the world say those kind of prayers that give us that strength and give us that hope and you know those kind of widows you know I'm not thinking of them as weak marginalized people I'm thinking of them as people who change the world those kind of widows are the ones that know what justice is about now Luke in his gospel when he uses the symbol widow he's using one of the marginalized people one of the marginalized people has been left out. But what he's saying again, like he was saying last week about the Samaritan, he's saying, yeah, but these are the people I can build my kingdom with. These are the people that I can build the church with, that I can build a movement with. These people who are persistent and don't lose hope and keep praying, a specific kind of prayer, a prayer that they stand, a prayer that they take action. Luke's being written at a time when they get it that Jesus isn't coming right back and that they have to pray without ceasing to stand and to change the world. One week after I was ordained 23 years ago, I had a young gay couple, maybe not so young, um, say, we want you to marry us. So 23 years ago, I did my, as a new ordained priest, I did my first wedding for a gay couple. It was in their home, lovely little service ceremony, and it's one of those families, it was JJ and Paul and their son Jamie, and then all of their friends gathered around. It was a beautiful celebration. It's one of those families I was with long enough that I actually got to the place where I was there and was able to bury Paul when Paul died of HIV and AIDS. And then Jamie, the son, would come and be a part of church regularly for support. And then a little bit, a few years later, um, JJ, who was the widow at this point in the story, let you know when he was coming around. J.J. was one of those people who had a sense of righteousness within him and justice that he got what he needed. It was one of those times when you saw J.J. coming up at the hall at the church. If your door wasn't closed, you knew you were going to have to do something for him because he would keep coming back and coming back and coming back. So at J.J.'s funeral, when it came time for his funeral, it's one of the sometimes precious things that happens over time with a pastor that you marry and bury the same people. And so when it was J.J.'s time for the funeral, we... We read this scripture of the widow. And you know, at first people gasped. Why are they reading that scripture? We're supposed to be praising the person. And I said, oh. And then I told them about JJ. And they started smiling. Because he didn't just do it to me. He did it to them too. He knew this verse. He knew this verse in his heart, what it meant to continue praying, to take action, to stand, to demand righteousness, demand holiness, to find justice. And it was a wonderful thing, so wonderful that they started laughing in the middle of his eulogy when we finally just said, you know, J.J. was this widow. Thanks be to God for the broken records in our life. We have another example recently, this year, of such a widow. 
You know, these aren't weak people. These are the ones who hang in for the journey, tenacious folks. And you remember her, her name's Edith? No, is it Edith? Did I get it right? Yeah, Windsor, you know her? Have you seen her with her love, Thea? This is Edith and Thea. You know, sometimes widows are so strong because they've had something that they loved, right? So here's Edith and Thea, and I want you to see a couple of their photos of their families as they, as they go through them, just in time, over the years, loving one another. Go on to the next one as we go that. Oh, don't you love that tuxedo, a woman in a tuxedo with a nice white stole? Here they are enjoying life. Now that widow is talking to the world and talking for justice and righteousness, and that widow is being a broken record, and that widow is taking on Doma, and that widow is now standing before the Supreme Court victorious. Broken records. Pray without ceasing. Pray. Do not lose heart. Do not lose hope. You can change the world. Not just because you're praying, but because you put your prayers into action. And that action changes the world. You stand for that holiness. You stand for that righteousness. This year, what would we have done without a widow? to come and stand and help us all stand together. You know, these widows have a particular understanding of time, too. Their heart and their passion goes right into it. Time repeats every day. They have enough time. Enough time to do what they need to do to proclaim their word. Unique sense of time. This judge is getting worn out. You know, this widow's sense of time brings her back every day, every day. Mom, mom, mommy, mama, mama. You know, justice, bringing her back every day. You know, and part of the scripture, the sense of it is that the judge gives in, and it's, he has this, the language in the, in the text, Larry Batten, the scholar says, it's because she might give him a black eye, stain him somehow, bring shame upon him, that the widow has this power over the judge. The widow has this power over this person who neither feels God nor respects people. Now, I don't know about you, but I wish I had that widow's sense of time. I often kind of hurry about. I don't have one purpose. I have 20 purposes. And my time and energy gets scattered all over the place. I don't know if you've ever been in that moment before. I'm trying to learn to drive 35 miles an hour down TC Jester. <laughs> you know? I'm trying to learn that. It's a good thing. I can see the trees when I do that. I can also avoid some of the potholes when I do that. But I'm trying to learn how to have a different sense of time and how to not have an anxious heart that makes me hurry uh, to do all these things at the same time and to have a focused heart that actually can have a single purpose and in that purpose change the world. So these widows have a sense of time that allows them to stay focused on one thing. I don't know about you, but our sense of time varies, varies quickly. Some days it seems like it just runs out way too fast. Other days, time just seems to stand still, doesn't it? When is 5 o'clock ever going to get here? When is it ever going to get here? I don't have enough time to do everything I do some other times. I don't know about you. How is, what is your relationship with time like? Have you ever had so much time you got nothing done? Yeah? So much time. You have, no, you have time enough, but you just got nothing done because there's so much time. You ever have a deadline that make you understand a little bit more about time? 
that you needed to finish. You're laughing because you have that term paper due in your class. You know? What does it mean that time changes for each of us, that there is enough, but our sense of purpose in relation to it changes when we start to pray, when we start to have focus about what it means to not lose heart and to be about the work of God. It changes. Our sense of time changes for us as the widow knew, as all of those working for justice know. What does it mean? In Prosperous Heart class this last week, Reverend Kristen gave us an assignment. We were supposed to go through our whole lives, and for some of that's longer than others, but we're supposed to go through our whole lives and look at, in increments of time, five years and ten years, what was our relationship with money like? You know, because some people say time is money, right? And I think that's maybe true and also maybe a lie. <laughs> it's both of those things. And so in the, in the class she's having, let's go back and look. What changed in your life throughout the decades in these increments? How did you view money in your life? And it was over time. What is that story for you? Was there enough? Was there not enough? Sometimes when you had very little, you knew there was enough. Sometimes when you had a whole bunch, you felt like you were anxious trying to get more. Same with time. You know, sometimes when you had too much, you didn't get anything done. So what does it mean to have enough money, to have a relationship with money over time? What does it mean to actually put that to God's use and to pray about it without ceasing, to pray about it your whole life long? So, time enough. I drank the Kool-Aid. I don't know if you did, too. But there was this wonderful thing that came about probably about 20 years ago called multitasking. Do you drink the Kool-Aid? Multitasking? How to be more efficient, more effective, more productive. You know, wonderful kind of thing. I can do that. Two screens on the table, you know, connected to your phone at the same time, on the phone at the same time too. My goodness, multitasking. I want to ask you a question that you may not know the answer yet. You may have to look at it this week. Did you get more done when you multitasked? Did you have to come back and redo some things you got done the first time while you were multitasking because you didn't get them done quite the way you had intended to get them done while you were multitasking? In my last job, they sent me to Sausalito to this wonderful retreat center for 10 days. And one of the biggest learnings out of that was Stop multitasking. They took all these executives of nonprofits and put them in the same room together, told them to turn off their laptops, turn off their phones, and to just be there. You talk about hell for these people and what that did to their sense of time, to be there without the things that keep us distracted, that help us think we're being so productive, to ask us to think about what our passion was and how when we attended to that, everything else fell into place. And one of the things that I just remember most from it, they said multitasking, when you're doing multitasking, depending on how many things you have open at the same time, it's like you drank one glass of wine or two glasses of wine. So you're doing your job drunk. Or on the way, 
And so the proofreading errors and the other pieces and sometimes the emails where people misunderstood you, if you took a little more time on them, might not have been so misunderstood. So what is this with the widow knows that we don't know? About praying so that our time matters. Praying so that we stand, so that we make a difference. So we've been doing this series for a while, Life of Enough. And as we have hit each Sunday, we've had a different form of prayer each Sunday. And I'm going to go through some of those prayers with you today that we've done since the beginning of the series for this Life of Enough. If they put it up on the screen, just a review of what we've been through. First Sunday, Reverend Kristen, the end of the sermon, she asked you to remember God's got it. God's got it. She said that helps release us from worry. You know, and she said the illusion is, the illusion is it's about money, but it's not. Do y'all remember that? That it's about money, but it's not. Through money, we argue about all sorts of other stuff. And we need to let go of that worry. So the prayer for that Sunday was God's got it so that we can find peace. The next Sunday, the prayer was Jesus, unfold me. On that Sunday, we talked about the rich man who couldn't see right before him what was needed. You know, the, the sin wasn't that the person was rich. The sin was that the person couldn't open their heart. You know, so unfold me. Jesus, unfold me. You might say unbind me, free me, whatever your language is for that. But Jesus, open us up. How do we have compassion? And it is enough when we open our hearts. The next Sunday was, thy will be done. And this is trusting God in the midst of all of this, that that little mustard seed that Jesus tells us is enough, is indeed enough to transform the world, that you are enough. Jesus tells disciples, not only is the mustard seed enough, but that they are enough. And indeed, they do transform the world. Putting these prayers into action. Then, last week, gratitude. You know, all ten were healed. They were made well. But one of them showed thankfulness. One of them went back to the healer. And that one, Jesus said, was made whole. So do we satisfy ourselves with being made well sometimes? When Jesus actually has for us wholeness? And to get to that place of wholeness, we receive the gift and we're thankful? Not only do we know how to be the givers, but we know how to be receivers. And in being those receivers, we offer that gratitude back to God. When have you satisfied yourself with just being well? When Jesus asked you to be whole. That was last week. When we say, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Now, this week, persistence. What do you think the prayer is? I've got it up there for you. Again. And again and again. Just like that broken record, again, because we don't necessarily learn it ourselves one time. And when we're called to face people who do not fear God or are respecters of others, we need to do it again and again and again. That prayer to not lose heart, to not lose heart. So when you put all these together, you know, God's got it. Jesus, unfold me. Thy will be done. Thank you again. God's got it. Jesus, unfold me. 
Thy will be done. Thank you again. You know, if you've done a good thing once, you're not done. You do that good thing over and over and over again and again and again for your whole life. This isn't meant to exhaust you. But the truth in the story is you need prayer to help you do that kind of stand. To help you stand for holiness and righteousness even when the systems are against you. You need prayer. So I want you to say this twice with me. Just the first parts of this. Just let's repeat it together as a prayer. God's got it. Jesus, unfold me. Thy will be done. Thank you again. God's got it. Jesus, unfold me. Thy will be done. Thank you again. May it help us stand. You know, next week is Commitment Sunday. All of this stuff we've been talking about, how we have a life of enough, where we trust in God's provision, where we recognize that it's about opening our hearts so that we can be channels of God's love in and through us. So next Sunday, we ask you to have experienced a week of prayer where you open yourself to the possibility of what does it mean to create a church of enough where the gifts you've received in this world from God, you're able in gratefulness because we know we can't ever write that check big enough. But we can increase our giving perhaps a percent. And what does it mean to look at how we've been giving and the board has asked us to think about it in percentages of our income to increase by one or two percent of our income that which we're already giving. So if you've been giving five percent, that you might give six or seven percent of your income. If you've been giving eight percent, you might be giving nine or ten percent of your income for 2014. But to look for how God's calling you to grow in that area of your life, to be able to trust in the provision God's already given you, that there will be enough, even when you're that generous, that there will be enough enough for you, enough for the church. So we want you to pray this week. You have it this week to pray. We celebrate that we're already over 50% to our goal. We celebrate that in the summer. We are already 50% to our goal. But we need everyone to say those kind of prayers, to take that stand, to create a church of enough so that together we transform the world. You ready to stand for holiness, for righteousness? For justice? Okay then, start praying. Mm.